0: jesus is alive Amen. and he rescues and saves i'm so glad he saved me he rescued me so many years ago when i was an alcoholic bombed out of my mind on weekends ever knew that he would rescue me and that one saturday i would be preaching god's got great things in store for you if you give him an opportunity he rescues Every day of the week. Wherever you are, you can call upon that name that's above every other name. And God can stretch forth His hand and rescue you and change your life. You don't seem to be happy about that. (laughs) You know what the Bible says? The Bible says when one sinner repents, all the angels in heaven rejoice. Not a couple, not a few, all of them. And there are millions. The only ones that don't really rejoice is the church. Every time someone gets saved, we should shout. Clap our hands, jump, leap. With joy. Because a miracle has taken place. Isn't that so? Yes. Yes. Yes, amen. Well, I don't know, it's Saturday afternoon, and we're a little bit quieter on a Saturday afternoon than in the other time. But thank God He's here to touch our lives. I want to read a passage of Scripture, just a few verses from the book of Hebrews, chapter 6, uh, verses 1 to 3, the book of Hebrews. Uh, God has a tremendous plan for His people. And uh, many times we hear people say, well, my vision is this and my vision is that. And yet the church is not about our vision, it's about God's vision. And God has this great plan and He's raising up a people that will fulfill his plan, his vision. But in order to do that, the people that he's raising up have to grow up. He cannot accomplish it with those who are still children. So God is calling all of his people to grow up, to come to a place of maturity. And yet the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 6 says this, So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds, placing our faith in God. You don't need a further instruction about baptisms, plural, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment and so god willingly we will move forward to perfection or to maturity the other writer is exhorting all those that are in christ he says listen you cannot just stay there with these fundamental truths you've got to get a hold of them and then you've got to move forward so that you can go to a place of maturity He mentions six things there. The first thing he mentions is repentance from dead works. In other words, all the things that we do when we're outside of Christ, looking to please God, to appease God, the Bible says those are dead works. Many people get saved and come into the kingdom and then continue to try to do good works to appease God. But he says all our good works are dead works. And we have to repent. ...from those dead works. Then he also says, and we must have faith in Christ. The Bible says, without faith it is impossible to please God. For those that come to Him must believe that He is... ...and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Now the very first two principles he lays out is repentance and faith. And they always go together because in Acts chapter 20... Paul is writing to the Ephesian church and he says, I have not shunned to declare unto you the whole counsel of God. Repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So we have to repent from our sins. At the same time, we must develop faith to move forward in the purposes of God. We must trust God in every situation. He says then the baptisms, plural. There's the baptism when we baptize into the body of Christ. We are baptized in the Holy Spirit. We are baptized in water. And he also speaks about the element of the baptism of suffering, where we as Christians identify with the sufferings of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then he speaks about the laying of hands, the resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment. He says you've got to get a hold of these things, but you cannot stay there year in and year out. You need to move forward now. You need to grow up so that God's plan and God's purpose can be fulfilled in your life. Just a while ago, someone said the church is five miles wide and two inches deep. Then somebody responded and wrote the book and wrote the book about and they called it deep and wide. And so many, many are beginning to realize that it is not a shallow church that is going to accomplish the purposes of god but men and women who are willing to grow and develop and get to a place of maturity now maturity does not come because of age there are a lot of people that are sitting in a church for years and they think because they've been sitting there for years they are automatically have become mature well it's not like wine and cheese (laughs) wine and cheese becomes mature through old age but not those in the kingdom of god there are old people today who are uh, very immature and there are young people who are very mature so age has nothing to do with it you see maturity only comes through obedience obedience to the word of God not only obedience but when we hear the word of God we begin to apply it to our lives so we're not just hearers but we are also doers of the word of God the problem with us many many times we hear a message and we like it and then we leave we say that was a great great message but we have no plans to put that into practice in our lives And James says, when you do that, when you just hear and say, oh, it was a great message, it was a wonderful message, I was blessed, but you have no intention of applying it to your life. He says, you are deceiving yourself. So there is deception in the church and we deceive ourselves. When God speaks to us and the Word of God goes forth, and we hear it and we know it is the voice of God, but we don't take that Word and apply it to our lives so we can grow to maturity, He says we're living in deception. And so maturity and growth in the Lord is only going to come through obedience to the Word of God and through application of the Word that we have received. I'm sure that most of you tonight would like to mature and grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the instruction of the Bible. Grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to mention just a few things whereby you can identify for yourself whether you are growing to a place of maturity, whether you are maturing in the Lord or whether you still obey. Paul says, when I was a child, I did childish things. But when I grew up, I lay aside the childish things. Many, many times churches are preoccupied, uh, catering to the babies. Big babies who don't grow up. And the purpose of God and the plan of God and the mission of God uh, it takes a back burner. Because we're so busy running around trying to look after babies and keep them happy. Instead of church that has grown up that is mature and is active in the purposes of god and knows that god has called them for a specific task and now they've grown and they move in that specific thing that god has for them so i want to mention a few things to you this evening and i'll watch my time the number one uh, mature believers those that are growing or those that have, uh, have been growing for some time have the attitude of jesus You see, the biggest problem that you will find in churches is not a sin problem, it's an attitude problem. And and the reason why people have sometimes bad attitudes is because they've never studied the attitude of Jesus and tried to apply that attitude to their lives. Now, what is the attitude of Jesus? It says that he, He thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Jesus is God. But He laid down His prerogatives as God He did not hold on to them and became a man, but not just a man, he became a servant. Now the scripture says, let this mind be in you also, which was in Christ Jesus, who although he was God, he became a servant. And Jesus came to serve. Jesus did not come and expect people to serve him. He came to serve. Now for us to know whether we're growing and developing as the people of God, uh, do we have the attitude of serving or do we have the attitude of wanting to be served? You see, when we get saved, we come with that mindset. That's the mindset of the world. Everybody must serve us. But gradually that mindset should be change because of the power of God's word and the application of God's word where we turn away from people who always want to be pleased, always want to be served to people who are willing to serve others. That's the mind of Jesus to become a servant. Isn't it amazing when you see in the world today uh, the things people do to get to the top. They climb over each other. They'll destroy family members. They'll do everything just so that they can get to the top and have recognition. And sometimes that attitude, that spirit, creeps into the church. Where people are dying for recognition. Uh, Sometimes even preachers and ministers, we die for recognition. That was never the attitude of the Lord Jesus Christ. He became a servant. And in that same passage of Scripture in Philippians 2, verses 5 to 11, it it says that uh, he, he took the, the place of a servant, he became a servant, and it says, Because of that, God has highly exalted him and given him a name that's above every other name, that every knee in heaven, on earth, and under the earth shall bow at the name of Jesus. Why did God give him such a great name? Because he humbled himself even unto the death of the cross. So you uh, can examine yourself and say, you know what, I think I'm growing because I'm more concerned about serving people than expecting people to serve me. Folks, let me tell you something. In the kingdom of God, if you have an attitude that people must serve you, you are never ever going to be happy. Because they're not always going to serve you. But when you begin to serve, when you begin to give of yourself, just like the Lord Jesus Christ, your needs will be met and you will find tremendous fulfillment in your own life. It's not about who's number one. It's not about who's at the top. We are all called to be servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. The amazing thing about the man who wrote most of the books in the New Testament, who, who, who some say was the most godly man that ever lived on the earth after the Lord Jesus Christ, Paul, he starts off when he writes the books in the New Testament, and he says, Paul, an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then later on, as he as he begins to grow and mature, he says, Paul, a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as he continues to grow and develop and mature, then afterwards he says, Paul, a slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the world is the opposite. It is slave-servant title but he does it the opposite way the more more we we get to know jesus the more we apply the word of god to our lives the more we begin to understand what the kingdom of god is all about so your attitude is that it's the attitude of jesus you're, you're beginning to serve then you know that you're beginning to mature secondly mature people know it's more blessed to give than to receive you see, there are three kinds of people. There are givers, there are takers, and there are keepers. Some people hold on what they have with their dear lives. Uh, because that's the principle we see in the world. You, you're not going to get anywhere if you're not tight. Hold on to everything you got. And, and so they never give out, they never give anybody They hold on for dear life, and at the end of life, they realize they've got nothing really And then there are others who just want to take, take whatever they can, they never give. Those people are also, at the end of life, are going to be most miserable. It is the people who learn to give, who have an attitude of giving, who begin to find fulfillment in the things of God. Now, what you've got to understand, God is a giver. That, that, That characteristic comes from God. Uh, God God looked at mankind and He saw how we failed Him and let Him down. And, and He knew that someone had to pay the price for our sin. He didn't take an angel. There are millions of angels in heaven. He didn't pick one of His angels and command them to come. He took His only begotten Son. Jesus is the only begotten. No one, no one else has ever been begotten. Only Jesus. He took His very best, the Lord Jesus Christ, and gave Him. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So the principle, the attitude of giving comes from God. And what does it say about Jesus? Jesus gave His life for us. while we were yet sinners, why we rebelled against God, While we used his name in vain, he called us friend and he sacrificed it. No greater love of a man than this, than a man lay down his own life for his friends. He called us friends. You know, the amazing thing is when Jesus comes back again, uh, he's going to come to Jerusalem. And and when he returns, the the Jews will see him. And they're going to see the nail scars in his hands and his feet. And they're going to say, where did you get those wounds from? And he's going to say, I received them in the house of my friends. You see, Jesus came as a friend to the Jews, but they despised and rejected him, and were responsible for his crucifixion. And yet he calls them friends. That's love. God is a giver. And so, folk would, if, if you're a keeper, ask God to set you free, so that you can become a giver. If you're a taker, ask the Lord to touch your life, so that you can be a giver. You, you see, you can't just take and take and take, because you know, people who take all the time never have anything. And people who keep everything are the most miserable people in the world. It's the givers that live the abundant life. And so you know when you start giving to others, giving to the church, giving wherever you can, give. I, I've heard some people say, well, you know what, it's not about money. It's not about giving ourselves, giving our money. It's about giving ourselves, And I know immediately where they come from. They don't want to give their money. So they use that excuse. Of course, it's not only your money. We give ourselves. God gave himself. Jesus gave himself. And so when we start beginning to, to, to give, then we know we're on our way to maturity. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Number three, they are grounded in God's word and hold to the truth in love they are grounded in God's word folk listen we are exhorted to eat the word of God to fill our hearts and our lives and our minds with God's word to hold on to that truth never be to be shaken to know that what we believe is is the truth and we stand on that truth far too many people that are very shaken very quickly because in that passage of Scripture in Ephesians 4, when he speaks about uh, the equipping ministry gifts of Christ, he says they are given to the church to bring the church to a place of maturity so that we are no longer tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Some Christians don't know what's right and wrong. As far as doctrine is concerned, they run this way today and that way tomorrow. Anything that comes new, they'll grab it, they'll swallow it without ever checking up. Jesus warned us about that. He said, you've got to grow up and you've got to take hold of God's word. You've got to be rooted and grounded and established in the word of God. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. It's God's word. And that's why I say to our church, it's not what's the best thing today for the church. What does God's word say? Why don't we build on God's word? Because everything else will be shaken, but God's word will remain. And so if you build your life on the Word of God, you take a hold of it. You have a basic understanding of it. You apply it with the help of the Holy Spirit. You are going to be a person who's rooted and grounded in God's Word and you're going to hold on to that truth with love and you'll stand. When you do that, when you begin to do that, you know that you're on your way to maturity. First thing Jesus said to the disciples in Matthew 24, when they said, Lord, what will be the signs of your coming? Because Jesus is coming back again. And, and, and so they asked, what's going to be the sign? How will we know? And the very first thing he says to them, "See that no man deceives you. See that no man deceives you. There's never, ever been as many scams as there is today. All over the world there are scams. You can't just go onto the internet and, and buy of your connectors. There's too many scams. The, the, the whole world is, is full of scams. And unfortunately, some of that will creep into the church. And people will be deceived. That's why it says in the last days, they will heap to themselves teachers having itchy ears, and they will not tolerate sound doctrine. You see, people who have itchy ears don't want to hear sound, solid teaching from God's Word. They want to hear things that make them feel nice. And if you like that, you're a babe. You've got to grow beyond that. Not everything that you hear from the Word of God is nice. There's a tremendous amount of challenges. There's discipline that comes from the Word of God because He chastises those whom He loves. And I don't know why people get fed up sometimes when God gives us a strong word. Cannot handle it because they're children. But if you mature in Christ, you'll take that word and apply it and you'll grow in His grace and His knowledge. And so we have to be grounded in God's word. And as we're being grounded, we're moving on to maturity. Someone comes and stops you in the street and says, "Uh, are you a Christian? You say, yes. Well, how do you know you're a Christian? What will you tell them? Or they ask you some other basic thing. Will you be able to respond? I'm not not saying you need to have a deep intellectual understanding of God's Word, and you need to know how to interpret the Greek into the English. I don't believe in all that baloney. But you must have something basic that you can base your life on. Why are you serving God? Why why are you, why you call yourself a child of God? You've got to have some solid uh, ground in your life. And as you begin to, to apply the Word of God to your life, you move on to maturity. Number four, they are strong, steady, always enthusiastic about the kingdom. You know, no one should try to stir us up. When we're in Christ, we should always be enthusiastic about the things of God. Isn't it amazing? People get saved. They're so excited. They go to every Bible study. They want to know the Bible in two weeks. They want to begin to heal the sick. They want to do everything. They're excited. And then as time goes on, the excitement goes and they begin to drag their feet. You know, I believe that's why Jesus gives us the break in the bread. Because we, we get accustomed, we get familiar with, with, with spirituality, with the things we do and the things we go through, so we grow cold. Well, you know, I've been a Christian for 30 years. I'm not expected to do that anymore. I'm not expected to attend so many service. We have that attitude, but the table always reminds us that we are saved by grace and grace alone. It's not our own strength and our own wisdom. It will see us through. No so, matter how long you've been on the road, you need God every day. And even more, now we see the things that are happening in the world. And so, folk, we, we must, must never lose that enthusiasm. Church must be an exciting experience. Why? Because we've come together and God is going to speak to us. We get more excited about who is the preacher. So that's that, I mean, that's a fact. I had to learn that after many, many years. It's not right. We listen to God. The speaker is only a vessel through whom God speaks. Amen? What an exciting thing to know that I'm going to a gathering on Saturday afternoon. I'm going to sit with other people like-minded and I'm going to hear God speak to me. You know what people do? They sit and they hear a whole message like this and then they walk and say, No, I've never heard God speak to me. I wonder where they've been all the time. You see, see, they're waiting for that voice when they walk down the road. Hello, Joe, this is God. How are you doing today? And if they don't get that, they say God never speaks to them. He speaks to us primarily through His Word. And the safest way that God speaks to you is through His Word. You can trust His Word. You cannot trust man. I can come and say, listen, God told me to tell you this. And what I'm telling you does not line up with the Word of God at all. God's word is true. That's why it says, let God be true, and every man a liar. Right on. Amen? Yeah. So we're enthusiastic. We're strong and we're steady. We're able to stand. Folks, things are going to come against you when you come to Christ. Some people say, oh, life has been so tough, it's been so hard. And they say, well, come to Jesus. Everything's going to work out. Listen, it's going to get worse. Allah's <laughs> Al going to be mad that you've changed sides. But listen, you're not alone. That's the main thing. You not know, before Christ, when you're in a, in, a, in a predicament, in a calamity, you find yourself standing alone. But when you're in Jesus, He said, I'll never leave you, nor forsake you. He says, I've got a palm of my hand, and no man shall pluck you out. The Bible says, if God is for us, who could be against us? He says, when we walk through the fire, we will not burn. When we walk through the water, we will not drown. Behold the salvation of our God. What a wonderful promise. Stand. Be enthusiastic about the things of God. I often wish that I really could really dance. Man, I tell you what. When the worship begins, I'll go like a bowie. But I can't dance. So, you know, it's better for me to stand still where I am. Be enthusiastic, it's exciting. God's doing exciting things. Yes, it, 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 there's a lot of issues, but that's part of it. That's part of the excitement. You know, so when you begin, you, you remain enthusiastic. You know, I've been, doing, I've been doing this for a long time. I've been saved for 44 years. I was a drunkard, an alcoholic. I got saved when I was 25. And, and, and I pray that my health will stay good and, and that I will stay excited. I love to preach the word. I, you know, I've tried so many times just to be Mr. Nice Guy. Just get up and speak nice. I can do it. (laughs) But there's a fire that burns in my heart. And and the fire that burns is because of the Word of God. I know, I know, I know what God's Word can accomplish. I know that if you're here today and your life is a disaster, the very words that I speak, the Word of the Lord, is able to transform you, able to renew you, able to set you free, and able to make you a new person. (laughs) Know it how can i not be excited about it how many times have we seen people who we think are absolute disasters there's no hope for them they said that about me my own family said that never with god we say there's no hope and all of a sudden we see you know you know at our church and wednesday nights whatever whatever service it is if i see anybody i don't know i'll make an appeal Yes. I don't, I don't even have to preach on I just make an appeal because I know God's going to touch their lives. Give everybody an opportunity, okay? So be enthusiastic about the kingdom of God. Number five, last one. I got more, but I'll stop there. They recognize the difference between right and wrong. He says in Hebrews 5, 14, uh, that solid food is for the mature. Those who've had their senses strained to recognize the difference between right and wrong, and to do what's right. What is scripture? You, you you begin to mature when you know what's right and what's wrong, and you do what's right. You see, a lot of people, some stuff is so blatant, you know what's right and what's wrong, but you don't do what's right. Poking every matter. My wife and I were just speaking about it today. We've had some tremendous challenges in our lives. Many, many, many times. And it's always space to be honest and truthful and do what's right. No matter how bad it looks at that moment. No matter how overwhelmed you feel at that moment. That you feel you just got to wangle yourself out of this thing. Do what's right. And God will look after you. Can I do one more? I'll do number 14. I'll skip a little bit. The greatest desire of a mature Christian is to know Christ, to know Jesus. Paul says that I may know Him in the power of His resurrection, the fellowship of His suffering. He says, I count all this knowledge and all this heritage and all my accomplishments as done, that I may know Him whom to know is eternal life. Amen. Mature Christians realize That the most important thing in life is to know Jesus. Not about Him. To know Him in an intimate way. Uh, Before you even come together, to know that you've spoken to Him. To know that He's already touched your life. To have that close relationship with Him, no matter where you are, what's going on. You can talk to Him because He's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And I may know Him, Paul says. What a great example, he set for all the preachers and the people of God that the most important thing in life is not to accomplish great things and build great churches and make a great name for yourself, but to know Jesus Christ. The power of His resurrection, the fellowship of His suffering. Listen, this resurrected, powerful Christ who's able to change and transform was also the suffering Christ. Isaiah 53 was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. Chastised by peace peaceful point, by His stripes we are healed. The suffering Christ the victorious Christ. So when I suffer as a Christian, I'm identifying with the sufferings of Jesus, but I also flow in the power of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Check us up and trust that you'll see that you'll mature.